0: Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. But do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others. But they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues, and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces, and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi. You have one teacher, and you are all brothers and sisters. And call no one your your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted.
1: (laughs) Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Neighbors Church. I am so glad you're here. And uh, above all things, uh, I pray that you feel the, the presence and the love of Christ. That is why we are here. We celebrate that love. We celebrate that we are loved by God. We celebrate that uh, we love ourselves as God loves us, and we celebrate that we love our neighbor, which is every person on the planet. Uh, Every person you run into is your neighbor, and as followers of Christ, we are ambassadors of that message of love. And so by sharing that love with our neighbor, we are sharing the message of the kingdom. That's what Jesus was trying to address 2,000 years ago when he became a little bit harsh to the religious leaders. This is, uh, we we have been following the book of Matthew, Uh, we've been going through start to finish, and this is a period where Jesus is really letting his feelings know, uh, known to the the religious leaders at the time, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Um, He has a lot of criticism for them. Mainly that he tells the people that what they are preaching, follow, because what they are preaching Is the message from God. But what they are doing, do not do, because they don't do what they preach. We hear that a lot. We hear that an awful lot. We have uh, preachers and teachers. Uh, Before I I continue on that, I do want to point out that when he says, uh, you know, don't call anybody father because you have a father in heaven, don't call anybody a teacher because you have teachers. He, what he's talking about is, is really who we worship. He's talking about a worship setting. I don't want you kids to go to school and say, you're not my teacher or anything like that. You know, He's not really talking about it in that uh, context. Uh, he, he's talking about it in a, in a very high regard. He is talking about um, faith, spirituality. He's talking about religion here. And so he, what he has, is the problem is, is that the people that are uh, preaching the word, Are not following it Um, in those days in the first century the the Pharisees were very much like the almost like the celebrities of our time Uh, they had the power they they had the 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 garments that they wore uh, were were religious garments but they were of the the highest quality Uh, they had um, the most being the highest quality they were probably the most comfortable this is the time when people were uh, struggling to, to make their own and to, if they could buy it, it was, you know, everything uh, from um, very uncomfortable wares to just wearing the same thing every day. Uh, they lived in a community of poverty, but you wouldn't know it if you met one of the religious leaders. They lived oftentimes in what we would probably call uh, like a condominium uh, at this time. And even in the first century, they had what would be our equivalent uh, to running water. Uh, they had ceremonial in, in that religion. There was a ceremonial cleansing, and oftentimes the poor had to go to these big communal bath things, which was basically just a hole in the ground. The religious leaders they had a lot of this time in their private dwellings where they could do it in, in, in their in the privacy of their home homes when they walked the streets people would clear their way they were fancy and they liked it they liked to go to the banquets they liked to go to the synagogues they liked to go places and sit on that high table in front of everybody and be treated as a celebrity there were people that loved them because of what they represented But there were also people that loved them because they were the ones that looked fancier and they had the power. And people got caught up into that. They loved the fanciness of that. They loved the power of that. They wanted to be near that. And so they would find
2: themselves following wherever they went. We kind of do that today. We, We have
1: religious leaders. Today, that really put on a great show. Uh, they, they're, they're fancy. They have uh, uh, hair. <laughs> they, <laughs> they have, uh, you know, the, 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 the fancy clothes. They have the fancy style. They're, they're driving in the fancy uh, cars. They have the mansions. They have the private jets. And people follow them because they are attracted to that. It's hard for us to deny the attraction of some of those things. We also have other things that we follow, too. There's politics, too. It's not just the the religious leaders that Jesus is talking about in this. Our politicians, we follow people that have the fanciest cars. We We follow people that own their own resorts, fly their own planes, and throw money away like they're feeding birds. We're attracted to that. We're attracted to that power. We we don't see ourselves running to people that are acting like Christ. We see ourselves running to people that are acting like the Pharisees that Christ is confronting. The people that have all the stuff and aren't doing anything for the poor or the helpless or the outcast.
2: They brag about the money that they have. They brag about them. They take themselves first. And sometimes we're attracted to that. If
1: it's not a religious leader, if it's not a politician, it can be a celebrity. We love to follow these celebrities that have all of this stuff. We love to to watch that red carpet thing where they come in their fancy you know, uh, dress and they, they go to their awards banquet and we, we, we give them big statues for pretending to be
2: somebody and we like that and so we follow that. And then they get into their limos and they drive away, usually through cities where people are homeless and people are hurting. But we're more attracted to the pretty people. Because deep inside, we live in this society
1: where we want to be pretty ourselves. We, we want the fanciness. We want that power. We want that, that pat on the back. We want that award.
2: We get attracted to that. So when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, he is talking to us.
1: It's easier for us to point out and say, oh, those guys, yeah, they were the worst. But remember, the first thing that Jesus says is to the people around him, not the religious leaders. Follow what they're teaching you. Don't do what they do. It's a warning to us. Because the trap of greed and the trap of shallowness
2: and the trap of self centeredness is one that we can all fall into. It's the humble that go forward. When I when I was first when I first became a pastor, this
1: was a while ago. I uh, found myself pastoring in a in a small town, small church, and the, in that sh- uh, small town there were uh, maybe about four or five churches, and there was uh, one uh, funeral home that kind of saw to the needs of all of those churches. And not long before I was pastor there, we, we lost a longtime member. I was new. I, I, I didn't know them. Uh, sometimes as pastors, we, we, we do funerals and things for people uh, we've not had the privilege of, of meeting. Um, and I, I went to the funeral home. I met with the family. I did my very best. I gave the eulogy. I tried to pay as much respect and honor to the person that had passed.
2: And afterwards, people came up to me and they said, It was as if you knew him. You're really good at this. The funeral
1: director came up to me and said, You really, you really made a difference with that. And I thought, Oh, you know, thanks. You know, that's. Nice to hear. Um, and then they said, you know, we have a lot of people in this town that they don't actually belong to a church. And when their loved ones die, they still want a, a Christian funeral. Would you, a, lot of, a, lot of religion, a lot of the denominations, they, they won't do the, the funerals. Would you do the funerals for the people
2: that uh, don't have a, a church to fall back on? And I said, of course, of course I would, you know, and I started doing them. There was a season
1: where that town had lost, we were losing a lot of people, and a lot of them did not have churches, and I was the guy that did the funerals for a lot of those folks. I would meet with the family, I would find out the things about them, tell me about the loved one. And so then I would, you know, do the thing and I'd do the eulogy and all that stuff and I would pay as much honor and respect to them as I could. And more and more, I had people coming up to me afterwards saying, it's like you knew them.
2: You're really amazing at this. And the funeral director would come up to me and say, you know, you're the best we've had.
1: And I started to think, maybe I am. My my walk started to get a little taller. (laughs) I'd look in my mirror and say, you know, that's a guy that uh,
2: sees to the people that no one else sees to. And I got a little cocky about it. I thought I was actually doing them a favor. And suddenly it became a little bit more about me. I would do the funeral, but my favorite part was the compliments afterwards. You did great! Oh, I wish he were alive to see his own funeral. You did a wonderful job.
1: And then there was one funeral around this time. Memorial Day. Memorial Day weekend, I think it was. Gentleman had had passed away. He was a uh, mechanic, and he was also a veteran. And the family talked about how much he gave of himself for other people, uh, both in the war and after. He was one of those guys that, even though he owned his own business, he found himself doing a lot of things for free for people that just needed a hand. And so I was taking my notes, you know, and talking to the family, and I had
2: that gleam in my eye, like, "I, I got this, you know, patriot, veteran. I'm going to wow them. This is going to be a wow funeral. And there it was. The chapel,
1: the local chapel there of the funeral home was full. In front of us was the closed casket with the American flag hanging over it. Oh, it looked, it looked good. And there I was in my, my tie and my suit that hides all the fat. You know, you've got to keep a button.
2: And I started talking about Mark. Mark was a patriot. Mark gave
1: his life for his country and when he came home he gave his life daily for his people. Mark was an incredible person. Mark was somebody that would take the shirt off of his back to give to somebody. And I saw the people that I was talking to you know and they were looking at me and I thought oh I've got him.
2: Mark was someone that you would love. Mark was somebody that everybody here could call a friend. I really thought I had him. Until somebody pointed out that his name was Pete.
1: The greatest among you will be your servant. Those who exalt
2: themselves will be humbled. I know what that feels like. To have a group full of mourners. To face them thinking it's all about you. And they were there to grieve their loved one. And I stood in their way. I hate to tell that story because it's 100% true. The only thing that I've done is I've changed the names to try to, get, again, respect the family. It, was, it, it is so easy for us to, to be in that trap of self-satisfaction and we get caught up into it. And we start to think about just me, me, me. And,
1: and we, we live for just those, those shallow compliments that have no depth to them,
2: really. Because we forget why we're here. I was a pastor. I... I I didn't just choose this vocation, I felt called to this vocation. And it became all about me. I neglected to acknowledge why I was there, who I was there for, and most importantly, who I was there to represent. They didn't come to see me. They came to mourn someone that they loved dearly and to hear the comfort of Jesus Christ. And I made it all about me. That's been a long time ago, but even thinking about it still humbles me greatly. My mouth goes dry. I get weak in the knees. You hate yourself. That's what Christ was warning us about. It wasn't just the
1: religious leaders he was talking to. He was talking to all of us. As soon as we lose track of why we are here, we lose so much. As soon as our focus becomes so self-centered that we forget the presence of Christ in our lives, We run the risk of hurting other people around us. We run the risk
2: of being the obstacle of them receiving God's love. We get in the way. I said before, if you're here, I want you to feel the love of Jesus Christ. I want you to feel
1: that love. And I want to remind us that we are ambassadors of
2: that love. We represent Jesus Christ. How are we doing that? And what is getting in our way? Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, Help us to all feel a little humility in our walks, to to just know
1: that it's not all about us, and help us find comfort in that. Help us realize that not being about us also means we don't have to carry those burdens either, that we can acknowledge your presence, that we can rely on you, we can pray to you, we can walk with you, and we can acknowledge our
2: community. We can share more of ourselves because you are with us. Help us remember always that you are with us.
1: In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. You know, I don't know if you guys know this, but one of my heroes is a guy called Fred Rogers. Um, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. One thing I I don't know if you know, that whenever Fred walked uh, around, he took a camera with him. He had this little camera. This was before cell phones. And every person that he met, he asked if he could take their picture. It didn't matter who they were. Uh, If it was somebody asking for an autograph, if it was somebody that he had been interviewing that day, he always asked to take a picture of them. And it was never a selfie. He he never asked somebody to hold the camera and he sat with them and took the picture. He was always the one with the camera taking the photo of the people that he was experiencing. Because he knew that in life, it wasn't just about him. And he wanted to remember the people that he ran into in all walks of life. And one of his favorite things to do when he was traveling was to come home and share those photos with his wife. And say, this was a person that went and did this. I met this person at a coffee shop. We,
2: We are always sure to take a selfie. What if we turn the camera around a little bit more and acknowledge the people that we experience every day? Think of the wisdom we would gain. Think of the the understanding that we would gain. Think of the community that we would gain.